beautiful places, friendly people, wilderness, kind of all in, it's, it's right on the equator. So it's all jungle and all really, it feels a little bit like you're Indiana Jones when you're driving around. Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of Behind Every Face. I'm Miguel Meninger and this is the podcast that speaks to people with extraordinary life stories. In this episode, I will be speaking to Dan Grek about his overlanding adventures and in particular his recent trip across the continent of Africa. Dan turned his Jeep into a house and spent just under three years travelling to 35 of the 54 countries in Africa. And at first, many people warned him not to go, and they said that it would be dangerous, but he listened to his heart, and he ended up travelling 54,000 miles and experiencing many incredible things. Now, it was also very recently that Dan marked 10 years since his first expedition from Alaska to Argentina, and this was where his love for overlanding all began. And I'm really looking forward to speaking to Dan, and as somebody who would like to travel when they're older, I find his story very inspiring. Hopefully, those of you listening are also interested in hearing this interview um, i'm not going to speak for any longer i think we should just get into it hope you enjoy so dan your story is truly incredible and i'm really looking forward to learn more about what you've done but firstly where and when did this overlanding uh adventure stop you right so the most recent trip um i was living in canada and i decided to sell all of my stuff and quit my job and then so I built a Jeep into my kind of overland house on wheels and I shipped it across to Europe and then I drove down into Africa. Um, and I've just spent the last three years driving all the way around Africa uh, and I just got back a couple of months ago. So it really only just happened. So where did this whole thing start? Which was your first trip that you went to? Was it the Africa trip? No, actually, there was a trip before that one. Um, I, I went to university, Miguel, I study engineering and I was working as an engineer just at a desk job. And I realized that it's not what I want to do with my life, you know, yeah. um, to sit at a desk for 30 years to, to pay for a house and to get a new car and, and things like that. It just doesn't make me happy. Um, so I started dreaming, what can I do instead with my life? Uh, and I've always enjoyed hiking and camping and, and being out in nature. Um, and so I started saving money. That was the, the first step. And then I quit that job um, and I drove up to Alaska for a summer because Alaska is beautiful and I'd always wanted to go there. And then from Alaska, I turned around and I drove all the way through North America, Central America and South America and I drove all the way to Argentina. And so that was, that was my first big trip and that really got me excited for this life and it, it made me want to keep doing it and, and then eventually save up and get ready and then do the Africa trip. Yeah, and I've seen your Jeep, um, some pictures on it. Um, and I've seen how you've turned it into your home for the last sort of few years. And it looks very cosy, but how long did it take to build? Yeah, it was a bit of a process. Um, it probably took about six to eight months, all told. Um, I built as much of it as I could myself because I was trying to save money. Um, so I started by kind of ripping everything out from inside. So I took all the seats out, all the carpet, everything like that, just so I could see what I was working with. Um, and then I put in a whole bunch of wiring for, for the things I was going to add later and then slowly just started building up from there. So I built cabinets on the inside. I mounted a fridge. 
Um, I put a pop-up roof on it so that I can have much better sleeping. And then I put solar panels on the roof. I added a second battery. Um, and then I added a whole bunch of four-wheel driving things as well. So it's got upgraded suspension. It's got steel bumpers. It's got a winch. Kind of all of the four-wheel drive accessories so that I could go to these really remote places. Yeah. Yeah. And I assume you must have learned those skills in your university course as an engineer, right? Yeah, kind of the, the whole idea was, was partially from my engineering. Like my dad helped me as well and he's always been into cars. But a lot of it, Miguel, was just sort of like search on the internet, learn how to do it and then, you know, practice. And, and I made mistakes for sure and I did things wrong and, and friends had input sometimes. And so it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't like I'm an expert and I know what I'm doing. It was more like I'll be able to figure it out as I go along. You've mentioned the Africa trip. And so was that idea... Was that an idea that you'd had before you started building the Jeep? Or was that something that came a bit later after your trip from Alaska to Argentina? Uh, Alaska to Argentina was in my first Jeep, which wasn't special in any way. I just slept in a ground tent. I didn't have a fridge, anything like that. And then so during that trip, I started kind of dreaming about how nice it would be to have a better place to sleep and a fridge and all of those things. So then I really did specifically build the Jeep I have now to take it to Africa. That was the goal all along. And so everything I did was about getting remote in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what, what country was the, the, the trip in Africa that you started in? Uh, I shipped it across into Belgium actually. And then I drove down through Belgium, France and Spain. And then I caught the ferry from Spain into Morocco. And so when I landed in Morocco, that was the first time I'd ever been in Africa. What were your feelings like? So were you scared at all or was that mostly excitement? I mean, it must have been some element of fear. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It was, I'd say maybe 50, 50 excitement and fear, you know, and I'd never been there before. And lots of people told me how dangerous it is and, you know, that people were going to try and rob me and take the Jeep and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, for the first couple of weeks, there was, there was a good element of fear, but then as the trip went on and I spent more time there, I, I kind of thought, wow, like everyone here is so friendly and it's so beautiful and like nothing ever happened to make me scared. So kind of the longer the trip went on, the, the more that fear went away and just became like a really small part some days. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, they, they, when they talk about Africa, I think uh, they, they often forget that it's not just one big country. It's a continent made up of lots of different countries. And they assume that, oh, Africa is a dangerous place and they're very generalistic, but it's not dangerous wherever you go and the, the culture is completely different in a different country. So, um, would you say that you experienced big changes just in the, like stepping over the border? In yeah, absolutely. You brought up such a good point that it is like, it's an enormous continent. It has 1.3 billion people and 54 separate countries. Um, so it is, yeah, extremely diverse. And, and you, you're right. When you cross the border, sometimes everything feels different. But in fact, even within a country, everything can feel different because some of the countries are so big, maybe there's a war in the north or there's bad things happening in the north of the country. But in the south, you, you're like hours and hours and hours away by really bad roads and everyone in the south is really friendly and there's no problem. Um, so it is, it is something to keep in mind that because it's so enormous, while there are some bad things happening, it's, it's not that hard to avoid the bad things and just go to the good places. Yeah, yeah. And of, of those countries that you visited, um, I read that you particularly, you found Gabon quite, um, quite exciting and uh, surprising um, due to its, the, the kind of people there and the scenery. So 
Um, can you sort of tell us a bit more about why Gabon was so special and whether there were any other countries that you particularly uh, remember um, very well? Oh, there's, there's many, many countries that stand out as highlights. Um, but Gabon for me was really special. I think because uh, it's not very densely populated. So there's lots and lots of wild spaces where you can go camping kind of and be all by yourself. Um, the people who do live in Gabon are really, really friendly. Many, many times while I was camping, a local would just come up to me and shake hands and say hello and, you know, ask if I needed anything and make sure everything was okay. And then they would say, okay, goodbye, have a good night. And so they were just really welcoming, but also happy to give me space. Um, and Gabon also, it has a massive national parks. And so you can see elephants and gorillas and kippos and all of those things. Um, so for me, it was a really, really good blend of beautiful places, friendly people, wilderness, kind of all in, it's, it's right on the equator. So it's all jungle and all really, it feels a little bit like you're Indiana Jones when you're driving around Gabon. And so for me, it was, it kind of brought forward all these memories and all these feelings of like, you know, I'm an explorer now I'm in Africa. So I really loved it. Yeah. And what about any runners up? Would you say that Gabon sort of stood out and then there were rest on sort of the same level or is there something close behind? Oh, there's definitely some, some close behinds like, um, in, in Southern Africa, countries like Namibia and Botswana and Zimbabwe, they are extraordinarily beautiful. Everybody's really friendly. And basically every single day, you can see all of the bee animals from Africa. So you can see elephants and hippos and giraffes and lions and leopards. And it's amazing because you're just out in the wilderness and then you come across these elephants. And so you realize you're not in a national park. They're not inside of a fence they just live out in the wilderness and, and you can go out there and see them. Um, so those countries were really, really special in that way. You must have spent quite a long time in these countries because your, your journey, the whole thing took, was it 999 days, I believe? That's right. Yeah. Just less than three years. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you must have spent a lot of time in each country, but was that time mostly spent driving through or did you actually stop and try and explore the country as much as possible? Oh, yeah, no, the, the goal all along was to explore as much as possible. So virtually every country I spent a month in, sometimes a little bit more than a month, and that was about zigzagging to go and find beautiful places, to go and see interesting things. Um, some countries I would find a beautiful beach and then just stay there for a few days just because it was beautiful. Um, yeah, no, so the, the goal of the trip all along was to explore as much as possible. Yeah, and you've talked about the people um, a bit and how nice some of them were. Um, so did like the people as well, not just the, the countries changing um, so vastly, but was there like a big change in personalities um, of uh, depending on someone's nation? Um, so were some people far more welcoming than others? Yeah, there definitely was really big changes across countries. Um, the clothing that people wear, the way that they sing and dance, the food that they cook, um, the kind of huts that they were building to live in, all of those things did change across countries and, and obviously they all speak different languages. Um, and so because I didn't speak all of the local languages, I couldn't get to know everyone and all of the differences. Um, but I would say one thing that was common all the way around Africa was how friendly and how welcoming people were. Yeah. Even, even when they were clearly from a different country, they were still extremely welcoming and friendly. And even when we didn't speak a common language, they would still welcome me and still try to get me to eat food with them and things like that. So that was amazing to see. Okay. 
it, it wasn't just the the locals that you spent time with um i know you 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 spent uh, quite a lot of your journey with other overlanders doing similar things yeah that's right there are other people driving around um you know having adventures as well and so it's fun to team up with other people you know it's it's just more enjoyable to camp together and then when you go into these remote places you feel a lot safer because you have two vehicles if one yeah. gets stuck or one breaks down or something yeah and um you probably wouldn't have spent the whole journey with these people sort of supporting you and you supporting them so those those times where you were alone driving on your own did you ever feel quite lonely um and perhaps slightly bored or what did you did you sort of relish being by yourself and did you find it good to just spend time sort of thinking by yourself yeah i'd say for me miguel it's like a 50 50 blend of what you just said so i definitely did feel lonely some days and i started to kind of wonder what was the point of what i was doing um, but then there were other days where i really enjoyed being by myself and being so self-sufficient and and like you said having lots of time to think um, and so there's different ways I deal with that by trying to meet up with other people when I'm lonely or, you know, going out of my way to, to go somewhere where I know there'll be other people. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a, a challenge that I face when I'm on these trips by myself. I mean, I don't think I'd be able to spend that long by myself. When your trip um, in Africa came to an end did, and you look back in hindsight, do you think that it went how you expected it to go or were there things that you were shocked uh, that you had no idea would happen to you? Um, I would say like when I was planning it and dreaming about it and thinking of it, I knew it was going to be a really big adventure. And I guess I knew that, that unexpected things would happen and that it wouldn't, you know, be what I dreamed. It would sort of be something different. Um, and it turned out to be about a thousand times more adventure than I thought it would be and about a thousand times better than I thought it would be. Um, some of the parts of West Africa were a lot more wild than I ever imagined possible. Um, I got malaria twice, so that was, that was not part of the plan, but, you know, but it happened. Um, I rolled the Jeep on its side in Uganda, also kind of a bad thing that happened, but it's all part of the adventure. Um, and so, like, in hindsight, looking back, I'm so happy with how it went, and it was an amazing, amazing adventure. And, yeah, a thousand times more adventure than even I thought I was going to have. Yeah, and you're going around the, the States at the moment um, and you're, do you say Jeep festivals um, and you're speaking at like events for like Jeep enthusiasts, is it? That's right, yeah. And there's, there's a community of people who, who drive around the world like I did. We call ourselves overlanders. And so they're having events here in the US kind of all over the place and also just sort of, camping shows and four-wheel driving shows and, and like you said jeep shows so yeah I'm, I'm going to these events i'm putting the jeep on display and i'm telling stories about what i did and, and what i saw in africa i didn't actually realize it was it was that big but it's been it's been 10 years um i believe since since your first trip from alaska to argentina um and obviously you've been through south america and north america and you've checked africa of the list um and I, I believe you're from Australia, so you must have explored like that that part as well. So, do you know what's next for you? Um, are you going to go to Europe or Asia, or are you going to revisit some places that you've been to before? What What do you see for the future? It's a really good question, uh, and I haven't answered it yet myself. I guess I'm. St 
still sort of trying to understand everything that I learned in Africa and I'm still kind of living that trip and, and trying to fully deal with it. Um, but I do have dreams and I do have ideas. I feel like I'll definitely go somewhere new next time, somewhere I've never been before. Um, and so Asia is really interesting to me. I, yeah. I don't know how and I don't know when and, and I have to save up a bunch of money before I can go again. But somehow I'll, I'll get myself to Central Asia, maybe Mongolia, maybe some of the stands in that area. How, how long do you think the, the overlanding will, will go on for? Are you going to try and do it for as much of your life as possible? Mm. Or will you get to a point where you, you might want to like settle down, have a family, a, a job? Or is, is this thing that you've experienced so, so amazing that you can't really live your life without it anymore? I'm starting to think that maybe I'll, I'll live two lives and maybe I'll stay put somewhere for a year or two to sort of save money and maybe, you know, have a house and, and eat good food. But then once I get a little bit sick of that, maybe then I'll hit the road for a year or two and, and go and have adventures and learn new languages and meet new people. But then once I get a bit exhausted or sort of that's getting a bit boring, then maybe I'll come back again. Um, so I don't know for sure. I don't have anything kind of locked in. I'm just living every day how I want to live it at the time. And, and so I'll just see what happens in the future. Yeah. Um, and uh, you went around most of Africa, of course, um, 35 out of the 54 countries. Uh, but obviously there were some countries that you couldn't visit due to things like wars taking place and it's simply being too dangerous to visit. Do you think that in the future, I mean, I know you're not too sure about it at the moment, but do you think there's a chance to revisit it? so that you could like officially check that adventure uh, like off and uh, be able to say that you visited the whole of Africa um, or are you happy with what you've, you've done there? Oh, I really hope I can go back. Uh, I mean, I will go back for sure. Um, and I hope not just so that I can visit, but I hope, you know, these countries find peace and that the wars end because war is horrible. Um, and then maybe, yeah, one day I'd love to go back and see Algeria and Libya and, in some of the countries I wasn't able to go to. So definitely, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep, you know, keep listening to the news and keep following what's happening. And if those countries do find peace and they do become safe again, definitely I'd like to go back. Yeah. Well, um, Dan, uh, I've loved speaking to you. And um, very quickly before you go, I'd like to finish off with a little quiz, um, which I, I mentioned. And uh, I did this in the first episode of my podcast, a sort of multiple choice quiz, but I thought I'd try something slightly different. Um, and you drove 54,000 miles. And coincidentally, there are 54 countries in Africa. Um, and I know you didn't visit them all, but um, I want to see how many of them you can sort of remember. So I'll put a, like two minute, uh, two minute timer on my stopwatch and um, uh, I'll see, I've got a list of all of them here and I'll see how many you can name. Um, but uh, I don't expect you to get all of them. And uh, <sighs> if, if you did, I'd, probably think there was some sort of cheating going on to be honest if you <sighs> somehow name all 54 but um so i say so so you would like me to name all 54 countries of africa uh, no I, or, I, or try to name yeah, them all i'd say i'd say <laughs> anything maybe like above 25 30 is something to be proud of in in two minutes oh well the bar. I'm cheating a little bit because I just went to 35 of them. So I can, I can remember okay. those 35 pretty easily. Mm -hmm. It's okay. the ones I didn't go to that are hard to remember. Okay. Well, let's see. So I'll start the timer um, in three, two, one and go. Okay. So I'll start with where I went. I went from 
Morocco, Mauritania, Senegal, Gambia, Guinea-Bissau, Guinea, Mali, Ivory Coast, Burkina Faso, Togo, Benin, Nigeria, Cameroon. <laughs> it's easy. See, these are the ones I went to, so those are easy. The other ones across the top, I didn't go to Algeria. I didn't go to Tunisia and Libya. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't go to South Sudan or Somalia. I didn't go to Chad, Central African Republic or Niger. And I think that's all of them on the mainland that I missed. So then the rest of them are all islands and those are really hard for me to remember. So there's Madagascar, there's Mm -hmm. Sao Tome and Principal, there's the Seashells. Yeah. And I, and I know there's another island country or two, but I can't remember them because I didn't go to any of the islands. Okay. Oh, and I missed um, Equatorial Guinea on the mainland. Yep. Um, but all of the rest of them I went to, so they're easy to remember. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, th- that was just, just over a minute. And um, <laughs> I've, I've got to be honest, you sort of... You, zoom past them at the front um so <laughs> I, I did lose count a bit but um i think you you definitely got over over 25 30 which was sort of the target so i think there were a few others which you said would probably be too easy to remember so um yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> thanks but, it's uh, it's funny you know miguel before i even went to africa i probably could have only named about 10 countries mm-hmm. um so by going there you know you learn so much about the geography and what the capital city is and what the population is and, and all of those things that, you know, maybe I learned them in high school a long time ago, but I don't really remember. So it's great to go there and, and get a real sense for what each country is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, well, like I mentioned, um, it's been great speaking to you and very quickly, um, if there's any listeners um, who want to find out more about your life, um, I believe your Instagram is the road chose me. Is that right? Yeah. And um, that's right. Yeah. So Instagram, I'm the road chose me and also YouTube as well. And so there's videos from every country in Africa. Um, and I've written a couple of books about what I've done too. And so they're available on Amazon. Yeah. Um, and if you search for the road chose me, you'll find them. Thank you very much for speaking to me. And um, hopefully I'll see you again sometime. Oh, you're welcome, Miguel. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Okay, so that was the fifth episode, and it wasn't the longest episode, but I really, really enjoyed recording it and speaking to Dan, hearing more about his story, and hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. So um, so regarding the little quiz there at the end, I think I counted up 25 countries in the end uh, after I listened to the recording, Um, but uh, I might be wrong, and I think he said he could name more, so that's a definite pass we'll give him there. Um, if you want to hear more about Dan, I've mentioned that his Instagram and his YouTube is The Road Shows Me, so definitely go and check that out and leave him a follow or a subscribe. Um, and my social media, well, I've got uh, this Twitter and a Facebook that I use mostly, um, so it's just Miguel Mellinger. Uh, if you can spell my name, then you can easily find it, um, as there aren't too many other people who've got the name that I do. Um, but... Um, so yeah, leave me a follow, uh, let me know what you thought of the the episode and my podcast in general, leave me a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, um, a follow if you're listening on Spotify, and if you know anybody who's got like an interesting story that I could possibly interview on this show in the future, 
then leave me an email at miguelmeninger at gmail.com or just send me a message on Twitter and Facebook. Um, Other than that, thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.